welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. Hey, can we do something? Can we give it up for this band? Do they not do an amazing job leading us in worship weekend and week out? So, so good. Every now and again, they let me up here to hang out with them. And I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity that they give us to be able to hang with them and worship alongside our church. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Robbie, and I'm privileged to be one of the pastors here, and, uh, and this is a little different than normal. There's probably some people around you that you've never seen before. That's a good thing. Um, there's probably um, some families around you that you, you, you don't know their name, you don't know how they ended up here, and the truth of the matter is that's true for me too. See, here's what a lot of people don't recognize, is that the majority of the time, and I'm not even wearing my glasses today, so it's even worse. The majority of the time, I can only see, because of these lights, the first three rows. I hear people all the time. I'm coming to me and telling me stuff like, sorry, I missed church today. Or uh, we're, did, did you, did you like overhear something? Did my wife tell you something? You were looking right at me that whole time or, 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 you know, whatever the case may be as if I can see past the first three rows, but I can't. So here's the deal. The, the simple rule is if you never want conviction directly from the pastor, just stay three rows back and I won't even know whether you're here or not. You could just fake it the whole year, show up at Christmas, shake my hand and say, I've enjoyed this year pastor. And so needless to say, there's a lot of people that I don't know in this room. And speaking of that, I would love the opportunity to meet you if I haven't got the chance to do that. Um, The problem is, is that normally I would be hanging out after this worship experience is over, but right after this worship experience, we've got baptism celebration outside, which is something we're really pumped and excited about. We love seeing people go public with their faith, their own intimate relationship with God. That's something that we get jacked and excited about here at Hope City Church. And so we're going to be doing baptism. And for that reason, I won't be able to say hey to you. So here's what that means. That means that you're going to show back up next week. You're going to have to show back up. Now, we're not planning on doing baptism next week, so I should be able to say hey to you after the worship experience. However, if enough people come to Jesus today, then we'll just do baptism again next week, and we'll just keep baptism going as long as people keep coming to Jesus. We're okay with that, right? And so here's the deal. Here's the deal. I I want you to come back next week. I want you to introduce yourself to me. I want to get the chance to know you and hear your story. But make sure you talk to somebody before you leave today. This is a really, really cool experience that we've got this morning. Um, Normally, we do two worship experiences, and that's primarily because we don't want anybody to ever miss church. And we've got a lot of volunteers that serve in kids' departments and guest services and parking crews in different areas of the church. And so if, if we only had one service, then people wouldn't have the opportunity to just attend service with their family. And so that's why we do two worship experiences. Some of your you're looking around going, hey, we could fit everybody in here like at one time every single week. Our chair crew would kill you. They would absolutely murder you if you made that decision. But you're thinking, man, we could fit everybody in here. The truth of the matter is we just want to love on our volunteers and give them the opportunity to not only serve the Lord, but soak in the word of the Lord and experience God's power week in and week out. And so that's why we do what we do. But make sure you talk to somebody before you leave today. We'd love the opportunity to love on you a little bit and talk to you. And I'm sure there's some first service people that um, don't know the second service people and vice versa. 
And so make sure you kind of connect with some people. Say, hey, I think I've seen you in the hall in passing and introduce yourself before you leave here today. Today is actually a very, very special day for a multitude of reasons. And I'm going to try to get through these as fast as I possibly can um, because uh, God's given me something this morning that I could not be more excited about sharing with you. But before we do, I've got to make mention of just a few things. First of all, a lot of you may not know this, but this weekend is our two-year anniversary as a church, as Hope City Church. Two years old. So that's something we get really, really excited about. It's something we want to honor, something we want to talk about. You know, we're not going to have like a homecoming with the potlucks and all that stuff. I know some of you are like, oh, but please go eat somewhere else. We don't want to eat with you all the time. Like the deal is like we we need to go and be able to do stuff with our own families and friends and all that jazz. So here's the deal. Um, It is our two-year anniversary. That's a big deal for us. And let me tell you why. Because look what the flip God's done in two years. Like, holy cow, God's done some amazing things in just a couple of years here at Hope City. Church, and it's something we're proud of. It's something that we're excited about. So it is something that we wanted to mention. I tell people all the time when they complain about our church, when they say, hey, I don't like how you guys do this, or why do you guys do it that way? Um, We're two years old. So here's what that means. We walk like a two-year-old. We talk like a two-year-old. We don't have our crap together yet. For those of you that are in middle school and you're not allowed to say crap, you shouldn't say crap. It's a bad word. Sorry I said it, and I'll regret saying it later. Um, So needless to say, we really, really are glad that God has brought us where he's brought us. But man, we got a long way to go. And I don't say this like for applause, so, so just keep your applause for a second. I don't say this as a hype thing. I say this because I honestly firmly believe it with every fiber of my being that our best days are in front of us, that God's got big things in store for the future of Hope City Church. And so I'm excited about the two years that we've had, but I'm even more excited about the 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. I won't be around for the 100-year anniversary, but somebody will. Maybe my great-great-grandson can come up here and preach on the 100-year anniversary of Hope City Church. But needless to say, we are so, so excited about the work that God is doing here. And I want to thank you for being here on our anniversary Sunday. The other thing that I wanted to make mention of, because I spent some time this morning actually taking part in what I'm sure many of you did, and that is celebrating the 15th anniversary of September 11th, which is a really, really big deal in our country. And let me tell you why. Not because we celebrate a tragedy. This is not a celebration day but because we remember the bravery and the honor that so many people demonstrated on that day that, in my opinion, demonstrates the heart of the people we have in this country. I'm telling you, like, like there was... And, and I, would never, I would never be so naive as to say that everybody who ran into the building was a believer, but I can tell you this, there is no better display or demonstration than the heart and love of Jesus than what was on display on September 11, 2001. It's an interesting year because this is actually the first year where um, freshmen in high school will actually be taught this as a historical event that they were not alive for. But many of us do remember where we were. We remember exactly what we were doing on that day. And I think that the image Images that are ingrained into my mind are the images that I saw right before the towers fell. And that was all of the first responders running towards the towers instead of away from the towers. And then when you saw the towers fell, you knew that that was the ultimate sacrifice. And so we want to make mention of that. Um, we want to make sure that we honor their sacrifice. And let me tell you, just, just for whatever it's worth, the best way that you could honor the sacrifice of those brave men, women, and all the brave men and women who give us the freedom that we experience um, week in and week out here in this country, the best way that you can honor that sacrifice is to do exactly what the Apostle Paul says, and that's to live free. 
live in freedom. Don't live under the bondage or the constraints of, of your old self. Experience the freedom that Christ died to afford you. Because the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter how free your country is if your heart and your soul aren't free. And so God wants us to be free. And those who the Son has set free are free indeed. Amen? That's the best way you could honor the sacrifice of those who lost their lives on that day. Um, obviously, the, the other reason why we're, uh, we're excited about today is because we are doing our baptism celebration right after this worship experience. Told you we got a lot to celebrate today. September 11th, we've got baptism, we've got the anniversary. And so we're, we're excited about all that stuff. But I am personally excited, and let me tell you why. Um, because before this day is over, I will be a father for the fourth time today. Yeah. That's the other reason why I can't hang out and talk to you, because if I miss the birth of my son, my wife will murder me. Um, My wife is actually at the hospital right now, and some of you are wondering, what in the heck are you doing here then, right? Um, The truth of the matter is, because it was all kind of last minute, um, for those of you that don't know our story and haven't been keeping up with us, um, my wife is actually only 34 weeks pregnant, and so this is um, a premature birth, and so they're taking a lot of precautions, which basically is fancy medical term for, uh, the the doctors are arguing a lot about what they should do and how they should handle it. Uh, The baby is fine. The heart rate is great. They did an ultrasound. The lungs look great. Like everything looks great, um, but they're trying to keep the baby inside of mama as long as possible. The problem is, um, for those of you who know what I'm talking about, the water has broken and we are at nine centimeters. And so we are well into the reality. Like she's ready to go. And some of you are going, bro, you got to speed this up. You got somewhere to be, right? Now the doctors have assured, I got a phone in my back pocket that will start buzzing. 911 is the code. And so if I get that and I randomly turn it over to Hugh, Hugh, um, and you, you come up here and do your best act, like just figure out the best way to finish it up, but I'm out of here, and I'll apologize to everybody next week. So needless to say, it's an exciting day. Mommy is doing great. Baby is doing great. Um, everybody's, there's just insane frustration on everybody's part because this isn't like a smooth, quick, easy process. It's something that they're trying to figure out how to handle, and so if you get a chance, if you're a praying person, please take some time today and pray for our family, pray for my wife, and pray for our um, newest son, which by the way, his name is going to be Cohen Nash, and so we're Super, super excited about bringing him into the world today. So, yeah, that's cool. That's all my introduction stuff. Uh, Here's what I think is interesting about that. My wife and I were talking about this uh, late last night as all hell was breaking loose. Um, It's amazing to me the way that God can constantly use analogies and symbolism and signs um, to remind us of who he is and his character and what he does. It's interesting to me that my son is going to have a September 11th birthday. Um, Here's why. Because God is reminding me that he does his best work amongst chaos. He does his best work amongst the the mess and the broken and the hurting. In fact, my wife and I, again, we're talking about this late last night. The truth of the matter is God really does his only work in the chaos because if everything is fine and we've got it all together, we've got no need for him. But when we are desperate because of our circumstances and our situations and we choose to lift him up, like we were talking about a moment ago, if we choose to lift him up in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulty, his presence envelops our circumstances. And when his presence envelops our circumstances, 
everything changes. Why? Because there's power in the presence of God. And so we're just, we're, we're so thrilled that God is using this as a constant reminder for us and for our family that he does his best work in the midst of the chaos. We are right in the middle of a series um, that we have affectionately called Selfie Mode. And if you are here at Hope City Church and you're a guest today, um, we would love for you before you leave here today to take a selfie at some point. Maybe you're thinking, I don't really do selfies. That's not really my thing. Well, just do this. Get somebody else to take a picture of you and pretend that it was a selfie. And then you can hashtag at selfie mode, hashtag at Hope City Online. And if you don't know what hashtag means, never mind. This is going to be a lot longer explanation than is necessary. And so we would love for you to take part in this series that we've been in. But here's what I want to do this morning, something that I I never do. In fact, I I would venture to guess that in the history of our church, um, I've never done this. And that is um, we're scrapping selfie mode today. And I don't say scrapping as in like we're just getting rid of it. We'll move it on to a later week. Um, but, But God's given me something different that I want to share with our church this morning. Um, I want to spend a few minutes talking about something. Look, can I just, let me just tell you this first. I, uh, you, you got to know this. Um, I was so excited to get up here and tell you about the fact that I was going to be a father again today. Um, I was so jacked, so thrilled, so pumped, so ready to tell you that I almost like, like couldn't wait to get the words out of my mouth. Um, but that is not the case with what we're going to talk about for a few minutes together this morning. I've been putting this conversation off for a long, long time. God's been stirring in me, and I've really been wrestling through it and struggling. Not because there's anything weird or negative about the conversation. I just wanted it to be the right timing, the right context for our particular congregation. And God just said, hey, right now is the time. Like, now is the moment. Don't wait. This is the conversation you need to have with our church. And so if you don't like what we talk about this morning, um, the truth of the matter is don't take it up with me. Take it up with the Lord because he made it abundantly clear to me that this is the conversation we need to have. And so to have that conversation, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles to the New Testament book of Mark. Mark chapter 5. It's Matthew, Mark. Got that? Matthew, Mark. So if you're struggling finding that, it's the second book in the New Testament. It's one of the Gospels. And we would love for you to follow along in your own Bible. If you don't have a Bible, the verses are going to be on the screens for you. However, we would love for you to follow along, be able to circle, be able to highlight, be able to take notes in your own Bible because we want you studying God's Word for yourself. But for the sake of today's service, um, you can follow along on the screens. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one free of charge before you leave here today. Stop by our resource center. We'd love to give you one as our gift to you. But again, for the sake of today's service, you can follow along on the screens or your smartphone or your tablet. This morning, I want to talk to you on the subject of miracles, signs, and wonders. Miracles, signs, and wonders. And we're going to be picking it up in Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Scripture says this, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. That's important. You need to make sure you circle that and highlight that. He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and Live Not so that she might be healed, not so that she could be healed, not like I've tried 14 things and you're number 15 and we'll see if 15 doesn't work. If it doesn't work, then we'll do 16. It's, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm on my knees, I'm at your feet, and I'm begging you to come do what I know without a doubt that you have the capacity and the ability to do. I'm asking you to come and heal my daughter so that she might live. Verse 24 
So Jesus went with him. One of the things I'm becoming increasingly convinced of is when we put ourselves at a posture of surrender before the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't have a problem meeting us where we are. He doesn't have a problem coming alongside of us. He doesn't have a problem walking with us, walking in step with us for those who are faithful to him. It says this, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now let me hit the pause button for just a second. This is really, really important. It's, it's, it's crucial that you understand this reality. For anybody who was raised in church, how many of you were raised in some kind of traditional church setting? Raise your hand. Okay, so most of us have heard this story before. Um, the reality is most of us probably heard it uh, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s in a Sunday school room that smelled really bad, and there was a flannel board, and they had all these flannel board cutout characters. You guys know what? Anybody remember the flannel board? And so you got Jairus over here, and, and you got Jesus over here. Some of you remember what I'm talking about. But most of the time, literally nine times out of 10, when this story is told, in fact, if you go look at like the Southern Baptist Convention um, Sunday school curriculum, when this story is told, it's actually told in two stories. It's told as the story of Jesus meeting with Jairus and healing his daughter. And then there's this whole other story that's reserved for another Sunday, and that's Jesus healing the woman with the issue of blood. Two completely different stories. But I'm convinced that the crux of this story, the most important thing that we can notice about this story, is the fact that these two things are happening simultaneously within the same story. And so what we're going to learn today, what we're going to pull from this passage is something that's crucial for all of our lives, but most of us miss it because we've always heard this in two separate accounts. But Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. He's on his way to this religious leader's house because this guy has faith that Jesus can do something that nobody else can do. And on the way, something stops Jesus, and it's this woman with the issue of blood. It says she has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and it spent all she had. And yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. There's power in that verse. Please don't miss this. This woman knew she didn't even need to have a conversation with Jesus. She just needed to be in proximity to Jesus. She didn't even need to have a long, drawn-out prayer like like session with Jesus. She just needed to be able to touch his garment. And some of us, some of us never take the time to be in communion, in community, in relationship with Jesus. And because we miss out on that community and being in his presence, we miss out on the power of his presence. We never get to experience the healing that we're desperate for in our lives. We just say, God, fix this. God, change this. God, will you come through for this? And God's going, I'm waiting, I'm longing, I'm wanting to do that very thing. But when's the last time you spent any time in my presence? This woman knew that there was power, there was healing, there was hope found in just touching the garment of Jesus. Immediately, immediately, not down the road, not um, once she went home and prayed about it for 40 days and she fasted. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around and the crowd asked, Who touched my clothes? You see, the people 
crowding against you? His disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your, watch this, faith has healed you. Now, just let me hit the pause button for a second because I know there's a lot of traditional Baptist people that were raised super traditional Baptist and you're freaking out at the moment because you're going, okay, which direction is our church about to go? Like, are we about to start doing the faith healings up front and people are going to start falling out on the floor every Sunday because if that's the case, I'm going to go down to Providence. I'm going to go down to some traditional Baptist church where things ain't about to get weird around here. Here's what you need to know. That's not what I'm saying at all. But just because we've got a, 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 a struggle based on the way that we were raised should not cause us to discount the reality of the text. Just because we, 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 we've got some, some disdain because of, of certain situations and circumstances that we saw growing up should not discount the reality of what God's word is trying to communicate to our lives right here, right now, today. Notice I haven't even preached anything yet. I'm just reading the scripture. And so if you're feeling nervous, if you're getting jumpy, hang tight because it's only gonna get worse from here. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I need to pause right there. This is super, super, super important. Please don't miss this. Most of us pray for peace. And we never experience faith. And because we never experience faith and we only pray for peace, we miss out on experiencing the byproduct of faith, and that's peace. You tracking with me? What I'm saying is, is that so many of us pray for the effects of an intimate relationship with God, for the effects of faithfulness to God, for the effects of pleading at the feet of Jesus, and we never focus our heart, time, energy, and attention on pleading at the feet of Jesus because we trust that he can do what he said that he would do. He says you're going to have peace as you go from this place, and you'll be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, this is so good. Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said these words, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Again, I don't want to hammer this point too deep. He didn't say, don't be afraid, everything's going to be all right. He didn't say, don't be afraid, just just have peace. Don't, Don't be afraid, it's all good. He didn't tell him anything about the results. He didn't tell him anything about the repercussions of his faith. He just talked to him about his faith. Because the point isn't the results, the point is the encounter which delivers the results. He says, don't be afraid, just believe, just have faith, just be assured of what you know. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, 
Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Here's that word again. Immediately. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. And I love how Jesus wraps up most of these miracles. He knew that the crowds were already growing, that rumors were already swirling. And he said, I'm giving you strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And told them to give her something to eat. Don't tell anybody about this. But it ended up in the most widely published book in all of the world. They did a great job being obedient, right? Don't tell anybody about this. Oh, I got to write this down. This is good. I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes about miracles, signs, and wonders. And while those words scare a lot of people, let me give you some counter words to work with while we have the conversation. And they're words that I think many of you will be much more comfortable with because we talk about them all the time around here. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. These are the two words we're gonna talk about. Healing and hope. Healing and hope. There's one thing that's evident when we read this story. Jairus was desperate for healing And he experienced hope, hope in Jesus. These are evidenced as we read the story. The beautiful thing about this story is it has such a happy ending. Jairus got the healing that he was looking for, and his hope was made whole when he experienced the transaction that took place between Jesus and his daughter. Now, here's what I want you to notice, because this is really, really important. Most of us, when we hope for healing in an area of our life, because I'm convinced that just about everybody in here needs some healing in some area of their life or the other. Everybody needs some some healing in their marriage or in their finances or in their relationships with their coworkers or in their relationships with their kids or healing in your body. Many of us in this room are longing for some form of healing. But what we see in the story is that Jairus isn't experiencing a hope that healing power will come. He, he's experiencing a hope that healing power already has come. It's already here. Why? Not because his daughter is alive yet, but because he's in the presence of Jesus. And that hope isn't found in circumstances. That hope isn't found in situations. That hope isn't found by things being put back together again. Because newsflash, if you're waiting to have hope, when things get put back together, you'll never have hope. Things won't just get put back together. We live in a fallen, broken, sinful world. We live in a world that that, 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 it has effects of sin that are rattling your life and my life every single day. But our hope isn't found in those things. Our hope is found in the reality that we are walking right beside the one who brings healing. And he's not going to bring healing. He is healing. And the fact that he is there should give us a hope and an assurance beyond anything that anybody else can explain. 
This is why I struggle so much when followers of Jesus have a difficult time with miracles, signs, and wonders. When we are walking in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus is the dispenser of miracles, signs, and wonders, and yet we wonder if he's actually going to come through on our behalf, when the truth of the matter is he's already proven himself to us, has already proven that himself that he would, that he could, and that his best his best and most most perfect will for our lives is that we experience his healing in every area of our life but some of us some of us are so jaded because of the way we were raised that we've been waiting to see if God will do miracles and wonders in our life when he's already promised that he would do signs and wonders and miracles in our life and he's already demonstrated that he would do miracles, signs, and wonders in our life. Watch this. Pay close attention. You know why Jairus had such an easy time believing? Jesus said, don't worry, just believe. Don't worry, just believe. You know what gave Jesus that credibility and what gave Jairus the ability to follow through with that? Because he had just watched that joker heal a lady. He, he knew that the healing power wasn't something that he was waiting on. It wasn't something that he was hoping would be bestowed. It was something that was already there. He just had to get Jesus in the presence of his daughter. And many of us make the mistake of saying, God, if it be your will, I pray that you would just do this. But we understand, like, totally if you won't and if you can't, if you don't, like, we totally get that we, we, we don't come boldly before the throne of grace. We come sheepishly before the throne of grace. And we're wearing the, 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 the blood-stained garment of Jesus on our bodies who's already said, I've come that you be made whole. I've come to bring healing. By, by, by my stripes you are healed. And then we come sheepishly before the throne of grace. And Jesus is going, what the heck are you doing? I just healed that lady. I'm right here with you. Why are you still wondering whether or not I'm going to bring healing to your circumstance or situation? Why are you still wondering whether or not your life is going to be a life that can be marked by miracles, signs, and wonders? I think I figured out why. And it's found in that passage. You remember when Jesus showed up to the house? What did he find? A bunch of people outside wailing, upset. What were they upset about? They were upset about the circumstance. They were upset about the situation. And I'm convinced that in your life and my life, the reason that we get so desperate for miracle signs and wonders, but we never see any miracle signs and wonders, is for this reason. Watch this. Because sometimes we get so caught up in what's happening around us that we miss out on what's really happening around us. That was good. You should have said amen. It should have been more than him. It should have been everybody. That was tweetable. You should have tweeted that right there. I'm going to say it one more time. And give you another chance to redeem yourselves. Sometimes we get so caught up in what's happening around us that we miss out on what's really happening around us. There we go. We get so caught up, and I preached a whole series on this earlier in the year. We get so caught up in the natural that we completely neglect the reality that there is supernatural going on all around us. We don't wage war like the rest of the world wages war. 
There is, there is a spirit-filled battle going on around you and around me. There is supernatural realities that are happening around you and around me. And I know for those of you who are just showing up to church this morning and you hadn't been to church in a long time, but somebody you know is getting baptized and so you thought you'd come along, maybe get some free lunch after the deal because the family's all there. And you're thinking, this is a really weird church. It's a really weird pastor. He's talking about like supernatural stuff. Like I thought that was a show on the CW. I don't really know what in the world he's talking about. Here's what you need to know this morning if you're just checking this thing out. What you see happening around you is not all that's happening around you. There's way more going on around you and around me in our lives. And many of us miss out on tapping into the supernatural power of Jesus in our life. Trust me, I've been to Venezuela on about 23 different missions trips. I've been to Panama five different times. I've been all over the world. I've been to third world countries. I've been out in the middle of the jungle where the gospel is yet to be proclaimed. I've been in the presence of unreached people groups. And when people hear the gospel of Jesus, for the first time, miracles, signs, and wonders are still taking place today. It's not just in here, it's all around us, but the reason that we miss out on it, that we don't get to experience it at our jobs, in our health, in our marriages, in our finances, the reason that we don't get to experience the supernatural reality of what's going around us is because we're so consumed with what we see. And God's saying, church, I want to do miracles, signs, and wonders in you, through you, around you. I want to place healing in the hearts of people. I want people to experience hope, not the hope that maybe one day things will be made right, but the hope that God has already made things right by giving us the presence of our Savior, Jesus, in our lives. I want us to be dispensers of that, but we'll never be the dispensers of hope and healing, and we'll never see miracle signs and wonders if we don't first realize that we've got to stop being consumed with what's taking place around us. You say, man, that's so hard. That's so difficult. I'm not saying this to brag because I may regret it tomorrow. But let me show you how my family lived this out over the last 24 hours. I'm here. And my wife's in the hospital. You can think that's a bad call. That's fine. But you know why I'm at peace being here? You know why we're 10 minutes over and I don't care? Let me tell you, thank you. Let me tell you why. Because there's nothing at that hospital that I could do, but I know I left my wife in unbelievable hands. And I don't mean the doctors. I mean the hands of Jesus. See, there's going to be miracle signs and wonders take place at that hospital today. There's probably miracle signs and wonders taking place at that hospital right now. I'm not so consumed with what's happening at that hospital that I miss out on what's really happening at that hospital. And once I realize what's really happening at that hospital, it gives me the freedom to come and do things like this. It gives me the freedom to come and preach. It gives me the freedom to have peace in unimaginable circumstances. It gives me the freedom to walk in wholeness and hope and healing. I'm not worried about what's going to happen at the hospital. You know why? Because God's already got that under control. 
You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Robbie. Tragedies happen all around us. Bad things happen all the time. Yeah, but if we live with the reality that bad things might happen, rather than understanding that God's in control of all of those things even before they do happen, then we'll miss out on being part of the miraculous signs and wonders that he wants us to dispense and, and expose people to right here, right now, today. I'm convinced there are doctors that are going to experience hope and healing that they haven't experienced before because they're going to have an encounter with Jesus just through the encounter of my family. Not because there's anything special about us, but because I got a hold of Jesus' garment. Because I'm in proximity to Jesus. See, I'm just convinced that God wants to do so much more in and through us. God wants people to see something in us that can't be explained by anybody else. God wants us to stop living under the bondage of the oppression of the effects of sin and wants us to break through that bondage and live lives of hope and healing and freedom and be able to dispense that to other people. But we never will. Watch this. But we never will as long as we're outside the house wailing. You get on social media today. You look at how many people are outside the house wailing. God, drives me nuts. People whine and complain. And then when you click their profile up at the top, it says follower of Jesus. And if I wasn't a follower of Jesus, you know, I'd say to that, what's Jesus doing for you lately? I wouldn't want what you have. And some of you show up here week in and week out, and your lives are no different than anybody else's. And the reason is, is because you're not walking in relationship with God. You're not walking in proximity with his spirit. You're not experiencing the power of his presence. Not on Sundays, but I'm talking about on Mondays. I'm talking about when your kids won't get out of bed on Mondays. I'm talking about when there's a wreck on the way to work and you're late already. And there's four letter words swirling around inside your head. Is the power of the presence of the spirit of God in that car with you? Because if not, you're missing out on the very thing that Jesus shed his blood and died to afford you. Jesus died so that the veil would be ripped down, so that people could experience miracles, signs, and wonders, so that people could experience hope, so that people could experience healing. And is that what people are experiencing when they experience you? Is that what you're experiencing? If not, I got great news for you. Like most Sundays, I got good news. Today, I got great news. Let me, let, me, let me show you what I'm talking about. If you don't have an intimate, real relationship with God that empowers the ability for you to walk in the Spirit of God. That video we saw earlier was a great example of this. There's somebody who started a relationship with two girls that started a relationship with God a long, long time ago, but they weren't walking in the power of the presence of God. They weren't living with the benefits of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so one day they decided, you know what, I'm going to give this church thing a shot. They showed up here. They hung out here at Hope City. They learned that God wanted more than just their Sundays. God 
God wanted more than just a once a week experience. God wanted to walk with them in an intimate reality every single day. And so now they've started a real relationship with God and they're going to go public with that real relationship through baptism today. Some of you, maybe you walked an aisle, maybe you said a prayer, maybe you went through the motions, but you're not experiencing the power of the presence of God in your life. And the idea of experiencing miracles, signs, and wonders is so far off the beaten path for you that you couldn't even fathom the reality of those things coming to fruition in your life. But this morning you're hearing for the very first time that the reason is, is because you're focused so much on what's going on out there rather than what on God on what God wants to do in here. And you need to start a real relationship with God today for the very first time. You need to start walking in the power of the presence of God through the shed blood of his son, Jesus, on the cross. And then you need to let everybody know about it by getting baptized today. Good news is you can get saved any Sunday. Today you can get saved and we'll baptize you. Two for one. You're like, I didn't bring a towel. We got plenty. Yeah, but I'll do it another Sunday. You've got to hurry and go. We'll get somebody else to baptize you. The truth of the matter is you need to go public with your faith. And some of you, some of you, the truth of the matter is if you're being really honest, you walked an aisle, said a prayer, went through the motions, but you have not experienced the life that Jesus shed his blood and died for. You haven't experienced a Jairus kind of life where you're walking, watching miracle signs and wonders taking place around you, having confidence in those miracle signs and wonders, going to your house, knowing that there's healing on the way to your daughter's room. Why? Because Jesus is walking with you. Some of you need to experience that for the first time today. If that's you, here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. Nobody looking around. Our operations team has got to be freaking out because we're running long. That's okay. If you need to start a real relationship with God today, I want you to do something so simple. I just want you to tell him that. Just in the quietness and stillness of this moment. Say, God, I've been begging for 12 years to be healed. I've had this issue in my life that I've been begging for healing for 12 years. But the reason that I haven't experienced healing, the reason I haven't experienced the miraculous, the reason I haven't seen a wonder is because I haven't been in proximity with you. And I need to experience your presence. Forgive me of all the junk in my life. Forgive me of trying to make my own way. Forgive me of attempting to live life by my own standards. And I know you will because of your son's death on the cross on my behalf. And help me as I walk out of this place to walk out with a renewed commitment to walk with you. While everybody's heads are still bowed and while everybody's eyes are still closed, I wonder if you'd be honest with me for just a moment and say, Robbie, the truth of the matter is, I may have walked an aisle, may have said a prayer, but I've never experienced starting a real relationship with God. And today that's starting for the very first time. I won't embarrass you. I won't call attention to you in any way. I'll challenge you, but I won't make you come up here to the front or wave at anybody. But if that's you, would you just look right up here and make eye contact with me so that I can see you? I see you. Keep looking at me. Keep looking at me. I see you. You. I see you. And you, keep looking at me. Make sure that I see you. How about over here on my left? You're right. I see you. 
Now here's what I wanna challenge you to do. You don't have to do this. God wants to meet you right where you are. He wants to walk with you right where you are. There was no baptism in the story of Jairus. <laughs> Baptism's not required for salvation. The only requirement for salvation is that you have faith in the work of Jesus on the cross. And when I say salvation, I don't mean walking an aisle and saying a prayer. I mean stepping into the life of miraculous signs and wonders. Stepping into the life of the presence of God and the power that's found in that presence. None of that baptism stuff is necessary, but it does give you the opportunity to go public to allow others to celebrate with you the private decision that you've made. So while everybody's heads are still bowed, everybody's eyes are still closed, here's what I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask for those of you that are already signed up to be baptized, that are already on the list to be baptized, that already indicated to us earlier that you wanted to be baptized, I'm gonna ask you to make your way over to the right-hand side of the room. You'll see Chad, our operations guy over there um, in a blue shirt. I want you to go ahead and stand up right where you are. Nobody's looking around. I want you to go ahead and make your way over there and they're gonna go ahead and get you guys set up and ready for baptism. There's people all over the room that are getting up and getting ready for that. If you're a parent of one of the children getting baptized, you can go with those children. But here's what's cool. In this moment, they don't have to be the only ones. Some of you showed up here today and you weren't planning on getting baptized. Matter of fact, you're not even interested in getting wet, but you're saying, you know what? I need to experience the power of the presence of God and I need people to hold me accountable to that. So I need to let the world know. If you made that decision, while these people are getting up, they're moving all over the room. They won't be, you won't be the only ones. I want you to get up right where you are and I want you to make your way out and say, hey, I'm gonna go public with that decision today. Over the next couple of moments, nobody's looking. You're not gonna be embarrassed in any way and you certainly don't have to, but I wanna challenge you. If you say, I've gotten serious about my relationship with God today. Maybe some of you have gotten serious about that relationship with God over the, the the last several weeks or months since our last baptism and you're ready to go public with that reality today, I want you to get up right where you are and make your way out to the side so that Chad can greet you and talk to you about what you need to do next. But at the very least, here's what I would ask you to do. Take that connection card that you were handed when you came in. It's at the bottom of that program. Fill it out and on the back of it, is a box that says, I'm starting a relationship with God today. Check that box just so that I can have your info so that I can pray for you by name. It'll come straight to me. I'll know who you are and I'll be able to pray fervently with you and for you and your situation. On the way out, you can drop it in one of the black boxes that's by the door. And we would love to be able to celebrate with you. For the rest of us, church, What's missing in our life from experiencing a Jairus-type faith? What's missing in our life from experiencing a Jairus-type reality? Not a hope that healing power will come, but a hope that healing power is already here. If we're too busy wailing outside the house, let's stop wailing. Let's look up. Let's see the hand of Jesus. God, we love you and we thank you for these moments, for this opportunity we've had to gather in your presence. We ask that as we go out to celebrate baptism, that we will be reminded and encouraged of your goodness and grace and mercy in our lives. It is in the powerful, precious, and spotless name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.